Prison Colony Resistance is brought to you by Sam and the Maxman Productions. Prison Colony Resistance. Today, we have an amazing interview with someone who is one of the, if not the, leader of the resistance here in Adelaide, South Australia. We're going to talk to her in two seconds, but before we do, let me introduce you to the best co-host in the business, Sam. How are you doing, Sam? I feel like that's a title I've won by default. <laughs> There's no one else, Sam. It's only you. Right. See, so you just, you're filling me with a false sense of of confidence here. You came in uh, second after me, so that's pretty good. Uh, look at that. That's something, all right. Do I get a, do I get a medal? Do I get a prize? <laughs> oh, Sam. So who did you Shawshank this week for us, no, Sam? Look, Shawshanking is out. Um, today we are extremely grateful to be joined by the voice of the Adelaide Freedom Rally, and I'd like to welcome Catherine Scarborough. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. And thanks for having me. You can call me Catherine if you're telling me off, or you can call me Kathy. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> uh, I do know you as Kathy. I don't know why I said that, but that's okay. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I, I don't mind. I'll answer, I'll answer to almost anything, but um, yeah, just call me Kathy or Kath. That's fine. <laughs> now, Kathy, you're very well known here in Adelaide because you are the founding member or the founder of the Australian Freedom Rallies. Is that correct? Um, what I'm the founder of is um, Vaccination Information uh, South Australia, <clears throat> which is a non-for-profit that incorporated back in uh, February 1997. We actually turned 25 uh, just last week, or every week, February 11. So because I've been doing that um, with, with goals to educate about uh, vaccines and health um, as a volunteer, I've been doing that for so long. When um, nationally there, were, there was a push to have national rallies on the same day. So, yeah, they came, they came to me because of that history. So, yeah, I've been um, actually Raina Cruz um did do a couple of small rallies in the city during lockdown back in 2020 but the first big one was uh, September 6 2020 and yep that was 
that was myself um, getting behind that with Rainer and, and yeah, I've been running them ever since. Lucky me. Yeah, no, I mean, look, this is, this is really a, a lifelong um, body of work you've put together. Uh, certainly not happened over the last two years. Isn't, isn't that right? I mean, yeah. you have, you have been advocating for, for people, for choices and good choices. Um, it must, must be taking a bit of a toll at, at some point. Yeah, people look, um, you, you know, people have sort of think it's um, maybe a difficult task, but really, um, you know, just, I've, I've just always been there at the end of the phone or, you know, in, you know, email or whatever, just talking to people because people, when they come to a point where they're questioning vaccines, when they've seen their child have a reaction or a family member, and they want to find out more, like they really need to be listened to and also given some tools. And because um, <clears throat> I was sole parenting four kids and I'd stopped vaccinating. Um, and I actually did a big research paper back in 1993 for the Home Birth Network because my background is science pharmacology. Um, so I did pharmacology, physiology, microbiology, biochemistry. And I'd stopped vaccinating when my eldest um, came down with measles after measles vaccine. And, um, yeah, so that sort of began the journey. And then, um, you know, I was asked to give a bit of a lecture on um, viruses and live virus vaccines. And that was, again, that was back in the early 90s. So it's always been something that's I've found stimulating and helping people. They're just so thankful always so very very thankful and um it's been an utter joy really um to be involved um Adelaide Freedom Rally just took it to such a different level with um well COVID really did with um the restrictions and mandates you know we we were lucky to muster 40 to 60 people at a rally um back in 2015 when they were um, introducing no jab, no pay, but, you know, so suddenly we've gotten up to 15,000. So I guess it's something I've always hoped for is that people would wake up and start asking questions, but also that people would stop judging people for making different decisions because that's been, that's been the hardest thing, I think, for parents, especially in the last five, six, seven years when, um, you know, mainstream media have just come out and gone, I'm not, we're not going to give any airtime to somebody who chooses differently or thinks differently. And, um, you know, also adopted this anti-vaxxer labelling and this, this language that is just so punishing. Um, these, these families making different choices, have, they've gone, they went underground, they had to, they couldn't, couldn't come out to family or friends that they've decided not to vaccinate or, stop vaccinating and of course um i hope people are aware that it's it's all or nothing um if you don't have all vaccines on time your child ain't, isn't going to kindergarten anymore and um this or, or childcare, and these are significant losses so you know these days parents really have to commit to delivering over their baby for all vaccines on time no exceptions and if that baby ha has a reaction or you see their health deteriorating, you've got no choice. You're going to lose services. They're going to lose kindergarten. So um, I'm glad that so many people are waking up and I hope they actually um, 
wake up to all vaccines and uh, obviously not just the, this experimental COVID-19 jab, which is completely different technology, but um, this is actually about not judging people full stop for their choices and, and doing your homework on, on, on a lot more than the, the COVID vaccine. That's what I would be hoping anyway. You're absolutely. No, uh, go, on, go on, you go, you go. You're absolutely right. Like uh, people who are um, who are against vaccines, not not the modern mRNA gene therapy ones that they're trying to put into everyone's blood for COVID that don't work for COVID, but they're still trying to put it in. But the, the attenuated virus ones, the ones that we got as kids, um, yeah. it, it's quite interesting that the, the conversation, it, it's almost like a blueprint for what's happening now against the mRNA gene therapy uh, revolution or resistance, because Jenny McCarthy is a good example. Uh, I think Jim Carrey as well. There, there were anti-vaccine celebrities who were excoriated in the media as ignoramuses because they did not know that vaccines help you. And all this talk about, uh, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, all this talk about autism, just go and sit in the corner and be quiet. But the data, the science, the papers, the peer-reviewed studies were there. And uh, Robert Kennedy has been trying to bring this to light since the uh, mid eighties and been labeled as an anti-vaxxer. So it's almost like they painted this part of the room where if they put you there, no one's going to listen to you anymore. And now it's really exacerbated to the nth degree with these mRNA gene therapies and the reactions to anyone who's against them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I, I was out and proud. I, you know, sole parenting four kids, I was on the news, the radio, you know, uh, I was president of the kindergarten. Like, you know, I was uh, always, always someone who participated in all activities with my children and took leadership roles. And people knew my stand because, you know, I'd often be on the news or, or um, interviewed in, you know, breakfast radio or um, somewhere along the line. So, um, and people would always come up to me um, when they had questions or particularly when they um, had illness or they had a family member who was ill and they wanted some tools because pharmacy, uh, you know, pharmacy uh, hadn't helped. Um, and like, I've been really fortunate. There's just such a big network of healers amongst us as well. Um, people who are willing to step up and help with, with remedies when people are sick. Um, you know, community connecting always makes things better. And um, I think that's why we, we um, you know, thrive with these rallies and that community connection when you know you're not alone. But people have felt very alone because of um, all of the anti-vax labels and, and, you know, the chastising and the judging and everything else. But, um, I mean, when you, when you talk about just the childhood vaccination schedule, it's blown out incredibly um and people were starting to question they were looking at the health of their children they were starting to be selective about vaccines and um delaying vaccines and the first thing that happened was um you know government came down with a big boot to put a complete end to that like underground we you will no longer have this public discussion the media will not entertain any discussion that questions vaccines and they came out and said that blatantly in 2015. There will be no conscientious objection or religious exemption and even medical exemptions. Your baby could go floppy after a vaccine and you'll be going, well, I'm not lining up 
what you know not lining up my baby again but you'll get no medical exemption and you then have financial penalties and of course now no kindergarten so the agenda is very clear and that's when community becomes very important um supporting each other and of course um i mean People are probably mind boggled at the moment that, um, you know, two vaccines and a booster um, constitutes being fully vaccinated when the, um, the COVID outbreaks are following along the lines of the vaccination campaigns, <laughs> which we can see, um, two, three doses. They just need to actually, instead of saying died with COVID, they need to say died with COVID vaccine because that's the reality. And... Um, I know I'm probably going a, little, a bit all over the place, but just recently people have been posting about smallpox um, vaccination because, you know, that's been the go-to, smallpox and polio, you know, the big vaccine success stories. And, you know, if you actually want to open a conversation about vaccines, that's the one they'll jump on you with. But, yes, mm. vaccines wiped out smallpox and polio. And now people are going, oh, hang on a minute, Um they, they actually withdrew smallpox vaccine when more people were dying from the vaccine. And that's recorded in the Lancet Medical Journal. Um, I've got volumes by a, a German doctor called Gerhard Buchwald, um, who, who, he, who um, meticulously documents the smallpox outbreaks hot on the heels of the vaccination campaigns. And... Um, it was people who'd been exposed to, to wild-type smallpox virus or exposed to smallpox in their environment and then vaccinated. They're the ones whose immune systems would melt down. Um, they're, the, they're the cohort dying from the vaccine. So I guess it's, it's, um, it's going to be quite a journey for people to open their eyes if they start um, questioning smallpox. Um, and particularly polio, it's got a similar, similar um, checkered history. And um, that polio vaccines, of course, are an awful lot of harm. Um, spreading monkey viruses, um, monkey viruses crossing species and causing cancers of the blood, bone and brain. All of this is very well documented. So um, hopefully this holy grail of you know, these ethereal life-saving vaccines, well, actually people need to question and they'll see very quickly that it's a bunch of manipulations um, and no, they didn't achieve what they said they did um, and they're still harming people today. Yeah, it's look, the, the diverse events and reactions that, that we're seeing is it's through the roof and, we're like, it's coming across daily um, people who have been hurt by these new ones. Um, yeah. You know, you, you talk about people, you know, finally opening their eyes, but are we, are we too far gone? I mean, if you, if you believe the, the stats of this government saying, you know, it's 90% double dose and nearly 50% with the third one, are we, are we too far, too far gone for people to actually go, hey, you know what? This isn't right. This this needs to stop right now. Look, um, it's really hard to answer. People are either really for it and they'll take that third dose and mm, yeah. they'll continue to line up and they'll even be sick for 10 days after their booster. But they'll still go, like, that's, that's the right thing to do. <laughs> um, and hang on a sec. 
on the podcast. So I don't know, but it, it really blows me away because because there's no protection, because there's the spread, because they're still wearing masks at 75% capacity at the fringe, um, you know, got to show you two or three jabs before you can enter the venue. Um, clearly no no protection. I it, it does blow my mind. But this is actually testimony to, you know, the decades, like the lifetimes of brainwashing for people that the answer to everything is at the end of a needle. Mm. Um and these people are not realizing that this is a different technology. This is not a. This is even even you know the traditional vaccines grown in um, culture mediums. You know, bovine serum, cow serum, or um, or in um, viral viral the viruses grown in um, living tissues. You know, from other species, etc. I mean, they, these things are pretty diabolical. This this technology. Um, there's no resemblance to that and it is it is actually causing permanent damage to so many people and with each booster that's going to become more apparent i don't know what your world's like but i mean only need one short phone call and somebody's developed a, a lump in their um lung or um, a clot in their brain or um is bleeding um you know without end there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that's never happened before and it's all related to these um this micro blood clots um you know from this mrna technology taking over cell function you're right it is it is a completely new technology we we went through the patents that moderna filed um, there's a lot of them, and we tried to cover uh, as much as we could, you know, in an, uh, a podcast format. Um, but yeah. these these are very unique technologies that we're putting into everyone's blood that can alter genes in a way that's not human. It's not normal. It's not evolutionary. Um, so we're we're putting in a approximation of the Wuhan spike protein because we don't actually have the spike protein itself. So it was sent by via email. The code was sent. They manufactured it in the Moderna lab. They said close enough, put it in, wrap it with some lipids, put it into cells and have people's cells manufacture a completely artificial spike protein that's not based in nature. And this thing is clogging up arteries. It's causing pericarditis and myocarditis. It's causing strokes. It's causing clots. It's causing all sorts of issues. And Dr. Peter McCullough has told us it takes about a year before your body can eject these spike proteins and get back to normal. But then we do a second shot and then we do a booster. But it's almost like we've been conditioned to put this into our body. Like you said, there's attenuated virus, childhood vaccines that we used to, uh, that we still get, you know, mandatory. And here is a little article um, from the, this is from the World Economic Forum. So this is, uh, I subscribe to the other side to hear what they're saying and how they're selling their agenda. And the name of this article, Kathy, is called Are COVID-19 Vaccine Mandates Human Rights Violations? And the two arguments that they use, and we haven't coordinated listeners, me and Kathy haven't talked before the show to get this little thing going. This is one of their arguments. Even Napoleon couldn't force everyone to get vaccinated. The French strongman managed to bend most of Europe to his will, yet when it came to smallpox, he could merely encourage his compatriots to get immunized against deadly disease as a civic duty. And later on, they continue with like the beauty of vaccines and they start talking about polio. When a successful polio vaccine candidate was announced in 1953, it made its developer a minor celebrity. Parents quickly sought it out for their children without needing coercion. 
Seven years later, Time Magazine's Man of the Year was awarded to US scientists who came up with the polio vaccine. So these, this is a narrative that vaccines are amazing and they do great things, but the truth is a little bit different. Uh, yeah, well, it is. I mean, the first polio vaccine was rapidly, with, like quickly withdrawn when it was causing paralysis in the limb injected, right? Um, then it was replaced with the, with the oral vaccine, which they know um, caused monkey viruses to cross species into humans and then, uh, then causing uh, cancers which is all very well documented. So actually one of my favorite quotes in all of my research is that mass vaccination is the reason that viruses have crossed from species to species. When you, when you grow a vaccine in um, living tissue, let's go living tissue, because that's what it is. It could be a dog or duck kidney or mouse brain, could be um, a fetal cell line from aborted, aborted fetus, fetus could be genetically modified cell line um chick embryos with the flu vaccine and now a flu vaccine in dog kidney can i tell you one thing when this first started um because right let's face it whatever happened in wuhan you don't somebody didn't like walk out of a lab and suddenly infect the whole world that didn't happen i've, I've read somebody else say that it was a meteorite or something like that the quickest way for a variant or a, a um, enhanced virus to um, populate the, the world is via a vaccine injection, right? We get that. So back then in 2019, most uh, flu vaccines were cultivated in chick embryos and the World Health Organization, right? They, they uh, magically pick four strains every flu season that they think are going to be circulating in the, in the Northern Hemisphere and then the Southern Hemisphere. So they inoculate them into chick embryos. These are living embryos, but it takes, it takes six weeks to grow enough virus for them to harvest. And in their own words, what, once they harvest those, the, those viruses, they bear no resemblance to the four strains they put in at the first place, right? These are, these, these are their words. You wait, if you, if you actually look into it, whenever they're going to change up a vaccine because the other one wasn't working, they'll completely trash it. So they did that with polio, oral polio vaccine, which they withdrew in Australia um, about more than 10 years ago, saying it was the only cause of polio in this country since we'd been giving it. So therefore we were going back to an injection. So you get these, you get these sort of little insights when they're gonna switch something for something else. So what they're doing then was switching out chick embryo flu vaccines because the strains didn't match the intended um, targets to a dog kidney um, flu vaccine. Are you aware of that, guys? No, I had no idea. So I'll call it Sakaris, but it's S-E-Q-U-R, I think it's S-E-Q-I-R-U-S is the company. They, they had trialled a um, flu vaccine cultivated in dog kidneys back in Italy and that goes back more than half a dozen years didn't get across the line because it was causing too many side effects and deaths <laughs> but okay you go back to this manipulation where suddenly we've rolled out flu vaccine into every workplace we've mandated it in nursing homes you know they've made it so that it's normal for everyone to have a flu vaccine every year and that's caused shortages and the chick embryo vaccine takes too long to grow 
So we've gone for a dog kidney, right? Because that can grow a lot more virus a lot quicker. And so when this is, this is the end of 2019 in the Northern Hemisphere, when there was a flu vaccine shortage, well, guess what stepped in? Dog kidney vaccine. And that's cultivated, <laughs> right? That dog kidneys harbour a coronavirus. So suddenly you've also got a better medium for a coronavirus variant to evolve, to be seeded even, to be engineered. Um, and then that has gone out to whole new populations en masse. And then we've started seeing slightly different coronavirus symptoms. Do you get me? Mm. So, 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 because the whole thing's orchestrated. Um, a coronavirus is a common virus. Common viruses, like common cold and flu virus, they're not fatal. That would be, you know, self-defeating. We'd just kill off the whole population. They spread easily, but the symptoms aren't bad. So suddenly they've got a different symptom picture and they could start with this, you know, kind of a mind game hysteria about, um, you know, something new and deadly out there because people were losing their sense of smell. But, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you start um, coming in with the, with the fear and the mandates and then the jabs, then you really have created something quite, quite different here. But I don't believe it started with something that was ever going to be that nasty. I think, I think the nastiness has come from the, the actual vaccines and it's been exacerbated by the fear and the masking and the, you know, the lack of human contact and the stress and all the rest of it. But um, interestingly, Australia did not give uh, out a dog flu, uh, dog kidney flu vaccine in 2020, right? So we didn't see the numbers that they saw in the Northern Hemisphere. Am I making sense? Mm. So, because I was looking and thinking, well, that's what happened over there and they've got these cases. Where are our cases? So we did not uh, approve the dog kidney vaccine till 2021, right? And that's when we started seeing more of these unusual cases. But we were also vaccinating on top of that. So it's a bit of a soup. And that's, that's what they're passing off as the flu vaccine, that dog, the dog one. We, we've still got the embryo, but they've licensed the dog kidney flu vaccine here as well last year. Wow. Okay. It was on the news. I don't know if you, like, um, I remember I was watching Channel 7 at the time because I was actually living with my parents and they watched Channel 7 News. And there was a Cocker Spaniel, um, you know, um, bounding through a daisy field. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Because dogs are going to save us now with this new black vaccine cultivated in dog kidney. Mm. So they really want people to disassociate from the reality because the reality is a bunch of dogs in cages, inoculated, who will be killed and harvest and, and virus harvested. So, you know, it's not a it's not, you know, it's not daisy fields and happy times. Not Fauci. Fauci wouldn't do anything to dogs, would he? No. Uh, <laughs> Look, you know, this has been going on for a long time with lots of different species and people really have no idea because they they swallow the line, you know, the benefits out, outweigh the risks. They yep. don't know what's in vaccines um, and, 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 and they they're don't not encouraged to research. They, they yep. don't want to know. They, they just stick their heads in the stand and, and hope for the best. Correct. And, um, you know, we've never had... Um, so, I mean, we, we've never had like vaccine failure. Um, this is the other part of the conditioning in the lead up 
to to um you know this whole SARS COVID-19 scaremongering I mean they tried it on before with SARS-1 um they've tried it on a couple of times but it hasn't taken off but in the lead up they've gotten um so much into people's heads with with mandates and penalties that they're going um okay so we're going to give um two two flu vaccines over the season now did you see that so your immunity's waned before the flu season's over so they started doubling doubling down and giving two flu vaccines per season. And then um, when they had measles outbreak in America, they were giving three monthly measles boosters. So we've gone, we, we, they're really trying to normalise these repeat boosters within a short period of time. And they were doing that prior to now with the, with the um, COVID-19 vaccines. So obviously... They've got every reason to believe that people are just going to swallow, you know, swallow this and they'll get away with it because they have been mm. without yeah. question. Yeah. People, people now take it as I need my immunity from a shot, from a needle. I, I like natural immunity is, is completely out of the conversation. We don't even talk about that anymore. And if we do, it's conspiracy theory. And now yeah. immunity and uh, titers and uh, this and that all comes from these vaccines that we're going to get and we need to get them and boost ourselves so that we're immune. But then if you ask a simple question, what about natural immunity? I had a colleague look at me, honestly, like this is tertiary level education in the university. A fellow lecturer says to me, what's that? What's natural immunity? Like he never heard of it. And, you know, it was just like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, they've thrown microbiology out the window and um, physiology out the window. So one of the things people people need to understand is that no vaccine's ever given protection. I mean, that sounds like a very controversial thing to say, but quite simply, um, our, our bodies have a, a, an outer protective layer being our skin and an inner protective layer being our mucous membranes. So what's this protecting? All our vital organs on the inside. So whenever you give a vaccine via a needle, you're breaching that protective layer and you're dumping a bunch of stuff into the body um, unfettered, unchecked, whereas a natural um, exposure, say something like chickenpox is easy to, to explain. So it's going to come in through the lungs, through the mucous membranes. As it comes through, it's tagged, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's tagged, identified, it's quantified. Um, and the immune system acts to process and then throw this out through the skin as well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. When you've injected, you're coming in the back end of the immune response. So what you're actually getting is um, an immune system going, pardon me, but WTF, what the, what the hell is that? Where's it come from? I've never seen this before. I don't know how much it is. Let's get it out of here. And so you get those immediate responses such as the, you know, the fever um, and the swelling at the injection side. So they're just like... Um, very short-term reactions and and this is well documented as well with vaccine boosters um at one point they wouldn't booster for tetanus vaccine because it didn't do any good and people were actually becoming sensitized and reacting to it but they know that the more boosters you give the less effective they are so you might get this temporary immune response from a vaccine that lasts three months Let's go with the first meningococcal vaccines. They found out very quickly, three months later, no measurable antibodies. And it's because it's not a normal exposure. The immune system doesn't process in the same way. 
you never get long-lasting immunity. You get this short-term um, aggressive react reaction as your body's trying to check out God knows what. And it doesn't matter how many times you revaccinate, you're not going to get immunity. And that's just gone out the window. People are thinking that they're going to have to boost their immune systems every three, four months against, uh, you know, what started as a common cold virus, right, because they have no natural immunity. So, um, you know, at the same time, they're saying, you know, get your kids out playing in the dirt. You know, they're getting, you know, kids aren't as healthy today because they're not, you know, they're too sanitised. Well, have a look at, you know, we... We destroy people's biomes, you know. We're, we're a product of our environment. We are bacteria. We're constantly interacting, and that is our natural immune system. Um, you know, plaster hand sanitizer every, you know, multiple times a day. Put on a mask and stop breathing fresh air. Mm. You know, inject this stuff. It's like deprive people of um, fresh air and human contact. I mean, they're... You know, it's multifactorial um, and, and it is quite unbelievable, but people think that they have to comply to get some freedoms back. And because they've lost so many freedoms, just a small crumb back and they think you beauty. Oh. You know, nobody's singing or dancing even yet. So anyway, I um, saw Stephen Marshall yesterday at my local supermarket, Unmasked. <sighs> Unmasked. Wow. Did you put a a pie in his face? (laughs) Blocking the entrance, mind you. And I'm like quite confronted. I didn't know how I was going to get around him. In with about four people in tow. And then also, sorry, did a small event um, unmasked with a a bunch of staff or candidates. All not, they weren't social distancing. They were outside, but none was wearing a mask. And they were standing shoulder to shoulder. So as far as I'm concerned, um, chuck your masks people and and sing and dance marshall's clearly given up on his own mandates but um <laughs> oh look he he didn't have any control over his mandates to begin with i i've i've seen one of his front benches uh at the very start of this whole mess when they were really cracking down on qr codes and and going into shops i saw I saw a front bencher walk straight into a shop. He did not care. He didn't even pretend not to get his phone out. He just walked straight in and said, you know what? I'm part of the system. I don't need to follow the rules that we put in place. Yeah, right. Exempted too, right? From the vax, they don't have to do it. Pardon? Don't the uh, government workers get exemptions from the vaccine? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, they do. And um, apparently Nicola you know Nicholas Spurrier has given given selective uh, exemptions for people where it counts um and then of course um yeah they're just going they I mean you know connect to brain cell people um <laughs> I busted my mum out of you know nursing home brought her home but you know that was for lots of reasons it was where she wanted to be and that was at the end of um 2020 but um these people, these elderly res- residents in aged care who are dropping, like, what is, we're more than 700 deaths so far this year. And they they are isolated. They are not exposed. They're not, if you went and um, checked QR code records, I'm pretty for you, sure you'd find that most of them haven't checked in anywhere because they've been confined to their rooms. Yeah. Nobody's been within a metre and a half of them unless they're in full, you know, hazmat gear. 
um, their own family can't visit. And if they if they are allowed to, they're double jabbed, they're sitting a metre and a half away and they're masked up. So where's the exposure happening to these people? Can, it, can you guys answer me that? Where are they, like, were they, you know, they're sneaking out and partying at night? What is going on? Might I mean, they're be. isolated. <laughs> oh, well, these, these are the things that we're, we are trying to, you know, get some answers to, but it's it seems almost impossible to get a straight answer from anyone. Yeah, the, uh, yep. the, the Australian Bureau of Statistics recently came out with a bit of a study, and they said that of all of the victims of COVID, only 84 of them had died that were healthy and young, and the yep. rest of them were older, like 70 and older, and had comorbidities. So what we've seen, this whole implementation of a vaccine mandate, masks, QR codes, social distancing, lockdowns, have all been based on the fact that some older people with comorbidities, with uh, a limited amount of life left, to be honest, uh, passed away when they acquired influenza virus that was a bit maybe stronger than last season's, or just because they're older, it um, it took them to be um, took them off the mortal coil, and because of all that, because of those deaths, this whole country has been turned upside down. Yeah, and let me shake that up a little bit for you because. Um, I don't call it flu season, I'd call it flu vaccine season. So the number of people who report to me working in aged care facilities will just go, they drop off the perch after annual flu vac vaccines are given, right? So these vulnerable elderly people are also very heavily impacted by the toxicity of annual flu vaccines. So then, then you know, throw in, to COVID experimental mRNA technology uh, and a booster, um, they're not going out. They're not um, at risk. They're not in high risk situations. They are dying. And um, uh, I was saying to you earlier, Ricardo, that my mother passed away um, only in January, mid-January. And um, what I found really um I don't know if it's interesting or disturbing, but um, at the funeral directors, you know, the first question was uh, asked was, did she die with COVID? With COVID, not of COVID, with COVID is the correct terminology because nobody's dying of COVID, but if they've had a positive test. And I said, no, why do you ask? And she said, well, if they have, then we're not allowed to um, dress the body. Like we're not allowed to prepare the body for service or viewing or anything. They, um, the body will come to us um, already wrapped and we're not allowed to touch it. And I oh. said, so a dead person can spread COVID? And she said, well, the whiskers can grow for like three days afterwards or something, you know. I thought I better not go too deep. But oh so these people are arriving dead, the elderly, and they're, they're wrapped, so you literally can't see what's going on. So this this um, slippery little bastard um, jab, you know, with a lipid, right? It, think think slippery when you think lipid, okay? So it's, hold, it's holding this synthetic genetic material. It's being injected. Now, normally a vaccine is anchored to the injection site. Do you know that? Yep. With an al aluminium salt, right? Something so that the vaccine material... Um, leaches more slowly so that it can give this false 
flag immune response for a bit longer. Whereas this stuff's just slipping right in. And depending on where that needle's gone, it's going to go to the extremities. It's going to start um, producing spikes, which is stabbing people to death in the extremities, causing these microclots. And so you, you know you would have heard about the purpling of the skin and things like that in the elderly. Mm -hmm. So so this is what I'm, I'm piecing together is that that's literally being covered up, okay? So the unusual symptoms or appearance of these people who are dying um, is literally being covered up. So okay. that, that is, um, you know, all under the guise that there's some threat, but they're never, ever, like they've not been anywhere for COVID exposure right and that's the other thing of course when we talk about uh, just sickness you know when did sickness turn into something that isn't sickness like you're sick you've got no symptoms but you're sick you're spreading you've got no symptoms you know I mean the, the level of paranoia and the disconnect between how the the actual physiology and functioning of the human body is it's just extreme um and I hope I you know I hope it it, it starts to reset itself in some sort of you know, normal way. Um, yeah. Because we might as well be cyborgs or whatever, you know, we might as well be uh, program machines. And if, if we're not going to start to, you know, embrace our natural immunity and, um, you know, things that are good for us, such as fresh air, good food, love, company, you know, stay home when you're sick. I couldn't yeah. be happier about that. Almost People every single hour. Every single lecture that I work with, um, they're all scared to death of students who are not masked. They say, what if a student comes into my classroom and they're not wearing a mask? And then I think about it. They're actually afraid of 20-year-old kids who are as healthy as can be. That's their greatest fear, is a healthy young person that they want to mask up and put this thing on their face that will increase their CO2 inhalations and maybe be a carcinogen later on down the path. And it yeah. strikes me as odd. This is where we are now, where we actually fear healthy young people. Yep, and um, healthy young people fear going out, right? True. They've had so much time in lockdown. They fear everything. And, uh, like, people of all ages are just completely paranoid about everything they do. Um, babies are conditioned to uh, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Babies, toddlers you know, um, which is, I mean, wiping out all of the good bacteria on your skin, which you need, of course. Um, yeah, the fear, the fear factor is quite something. Um, you know, used to be, you know, this idea that you soldier on with codril. I mean, I can tell you what happens when you're a parent of, a small, ch of small children, they get sick regularly because they're, they're vaccinated all the time. And you've used up your um, leave, your parental leave, and then you're using up your sick leave to look after your sick children. And then when you are sick yourself, you've got no leave yet, uh, leave left, and you're you're going to work and you're sick. Okay. So I mean, I, I couldn't have been happier when they went right at the beginning of this in in um, 2020 when they you know stay home when you're sick. I'm just on this thing. My daughter's just come through the door. So, you know, stay home when you're sick. And actually, did you, I, I remember stories, news stories at the time where parents were talking about their children actually doing better and everyone actually feeling better in their own environment because they weren't 
around sick people, if that makes sense. But anyway, so, yeah, stay home when you're sick was always a good message. And um, now the message is uh, good, old, good on you, Nicola. Um, one the other, only the other week. Um, if you have symptoms, get yourself to a testing station. It's like... <laughs> The, oh my goodness. the world has turned completely on its head completely on its head unbelievable yeah but, mm. so let's let's talk all things freedom rally um yes you were in canberra a couple of weeks ago yep how did you find that what was the what was the experience like for you personally well um you know, there was a moment of um, complete exhilaration seeing the number of people pouring down, you know, they towards old, old Parliament House. Um, I was actually filming the crowd and it was, it just went on and on and on and on and on. Like, you, you, it was unbelievable, the number of people. Um, but um, do you know what? Nobody saw it. That's what, you know, when you process this, so Canberra's, you know it's monolithic everything's oversized and spread apart and the roads were blocked um so even though they you know what they say is you know around a million people marching and and taking over the lawns of parliament house both parliament houses and surrounds literally nobody saw them outside of rally goers because canberra's Canberra's like that for starters, but also, um, yeah, roads were blocked, et cetera. And then, of course, they cut out telecommunications so that we couldn't live stream in the afternoon. So um, it was, it, you know, there, there was um, the campsite, Camp Epic, with Epic Park was just amazing. Um, for me, a real highlight was, was catching up with Meryl Dory from Australian Vaccination Network and Anita Heifmeister. But Meryl and I go back a long way doing this. Um, there are some good people. Uh, it was hot, it was long, and it was hard work. Um, it gives me a lot of, I don't know, thought as to how, to how to run a rally. But, you know, for what the people did that day for so many people was, was absolutely epic. Absolutely epic. I don't know if I'd go back, though, to be honest. Oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know if I'd rather focus on local actions. Um, I keep saying when you get a lot of people come into something all of a sudden from so many different angles, it's very hard to keep people on the same page. Yep. Um, and the main thing about uh, our rallies is that people connect with other people. They connect with community and they feel supported. Okay. And um, they also feel they enjoy marching. They feel it's that sense of community, which is at the core of the rallies. And um, politically, what do you gain when, when, when they're actually deliberately ignoring you, nobody can see you and you're being, um, you know, shut down from communicating with the outside world? Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. There was um, kind of two camps too at the rally. Um, Ricardo Bosey and Graham Hood coming from two different directions, um, two different sort of um, angles, and not working together in the end. And that that <clears throat> for me, a million people came there for unity, and um, I found that disappointing. I'll be honest. 
we were talking about that in the last podcast because we did say there, there's two sides to this, right? There is our side. And we're saying, look, we just don't want to inject ourselves with an experiment. That's all we want. We just want to live clean, live, be human and have our own natural immunity, take care of things and, you know, just fuck off and leave us alone. Mm-hmm. The other side, the other side is a very well-coordinated, strategic, top-down initiative with centralized command from the WEF and Klaus Schwab and his people and his minions, his cadets who are now leading all these governments that are oppressing us. Our side, the human side, is starting, like you said, starting to fracture because there's so many new parties coming in. We have Bosi with his double dissolution. We have um, Hoodie with his uh, nine points that he gave to uh, Kelly. And we have Kelly who's in with Palmer and Palmer wants to get Kelly in so that all his stuff can then just go through like nice, like a lipid, you know, just anything that has to do with mining, it's done. It's, It's approved. So we do have different factions, all kind of trying to take the stage. And that must be very, very frustrating, challenging for somebody who organizes these things like yourself. Um, Look, I I was aware of it. I just thought, get over yourselves. This is is actually about the million people who have come here for unity. And so, yes, that was disappointing. I don't, I mean, I'm a volunteer. I see myself as there to help people, right? That's that's basically it. uh, you know, and, and obviously people are, well, they're always critics for the rallies, always critics and a lot of feedback. And, you know, my role is to listen to that feedback and take it on board. Um, and um, obviously I didn't do the last rally. I had to I handball to Tim. But, you know, people want short speeches. They want empowering stuff. They want to get out there. They want to march. They want to feel that sense of community. And, um there was that sense of community in the camp, but I, I didn't, I don't believe it translated at the rally. But then who am I? Like, that was a lot of people. That was a lot of people. But, I mean, in the end, there were two stages and um, the mm. program got shifted around and I missed out on seeing the people that I wanted to hear speak um, because of that. And so these things, you kind of, you, you, you find to be um, disappointing, but like overall you have to say just being around people who who think and feel like you do is an incredibly empowering experience and um to see that number of people actually willing to stand up again is just absolutely mind-blowing where it goes to next i i don't know saturday's rally we're focusing on the tools and actions and good things that are happening as uh, a young lady alex mckenzie who's fighting the youth mandates um uh, Auntie Glenda's coming, um, I've heard, just last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that'll be, that'll be pretty epic. That's going to shake up the, the um, program a little bit because she'll go front and centre. Um, <clears throat> the SAFE Group, the South Australian Information for Freedom, who are doing a lot of stuff to support um, businesses, um, they'll be having a chat. Um, Faith and Tony, who are the chippers, they're chipping away. They're trying to support people affected by the negative media, um, you know, and, and addressing mental health issues and being supportive. They've got a petition to share, which is asking for a royal commission into the behaviour of the media. Wow, throughout, that throughout. would be great. <laughs> oh, that, that is needed, isn't it? My yeah. God, like, that, is, that is a sticking point with me. The, the way the media has behaved in the last two years, the way the you know reporters and and employees of these 
these companies have you know gone about their days it's it is nothing short of disgusting yeah it is nothing short of disgusting it's a massive cover-up the um i mean the media has gone from tracking covid cases to tracking covid vaccination rates Mm. there's without a word of, of reporting about um you know deaths and side effects um like the whole thing is it's it's well orchestrated and it's been covering up i mean you know vaccine damage has been covered up for longer than you know you and i have existed back in um gotta gotta think back in the mid 90s um i had sa health commission statistics showing that of the uh, I think it was about um, 4,000 odd hoop ca- cases of whooping cough. Um, you know, like 50% were fully vaccinated, 7% unvaccinated, and the other 43% they hadn't, hadn't bothered to record because it wasn't trending very well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this is what they do. This is what they do. And then, of course, um, you know, the media don't, they not only don't report on that vital information so people can weigh benefits and risks. Because where's the benefit if you've had five doses of whooping cough vaccine and you come down with whooping cough? <laughs> what are the risks of the vaccine, right? Mm. So that that original, sorry, I keep digressing, but people will come to a point, I'll get my Investigate Before You Vaccinate booklet out there again and start doing some more education on this. But the original whooping cough vaccine was withdrawn. This was the mercury-containing one, the wholesale one. It was withdrawn when... With, with stating that 93% of children who had this vaccine had a reaction, wow. right? 93%. This vaccine is the reason we, we suddenly um, uh, had to have um, facilities for brain damage um, children. And they switched to, to the acellular vaccine. Um, and ever since they've been lamenting that it's not as effective as the wholesale and we should go back to that one. And they're actually starting to reintroduce it, even though it... Um, cause severe neurological damage and 93% of recipients had had side effects. So um, there are ways to to boost the immune system. There are treatments for these diseases that are effective. Um, Unfortunately, yes, um, they can be fatal in vulnerable people, but let's have a look at what makes children vulnerable and um, you know, once you once you stop and really get into this, you'll see repeated vaccinations, followed by immune suppressing medications, um, have um, changed changed the course of um, health and illness in children. So chronic illness has overtaken acute disease in children, and children are being diagnosed with autism, diabetes, asthma at younger and younger ages. So. Instead of always, you know, actually looking at what is going on with the health of children and now the health of adults, um, they look for vaccine answers and they continue to push vaccine as if there is no other answer and as if we don't have an immune system. The the whole script has been flipped. They've they've completely taken the narrative, flipped it on its head, and this is the truth, even though that was that's not the truth. It's a complete lie, and the truth has now become a lie, and the lie has become a truth. It's unbelievable. Yep, and, and you are an anti-vaxxer, you're a threat to society and, you know, a lot of people will not be speaking out when they're, when they're um, you know, going to be judged and the finger pointed at them then and lose benefits and, and rights. I mean, 
we we don't need to go around being confronted every day for our choices. Mm. But, no, but um, it's, that's, that's it's the going that way. Creating. It's going that way, isn't it? You know, it, people have lost jobs. People have had relations relationships split down the middle because of their decisions because there is no middle ground it's either you're for it or you're against it and if you're against it well you know what that's bad luck for you we're going to completely shut you out of nearly everything correct and it's become a weapon it's been weaponized um it was always weaponized vaccination status but um particularly since 2015 with no jab no pay i never had i've had a lot of inquiries people like couples together parents together making a choice not to vaccinate child or children, but then they split, all right, and they're in the family court and um, making a choice to not vaccinate becomes a reason to identify one parent as negligent, not fit to parent, okay? And um, the family court is actually wasting its time over over vaccine choices um, as a marker for who who isn't fit to parent. And I tell you, in every case, um, and yes, it is in every case, there's domestic violence at the core and there is control at the core and there is getting back at someone at the core. And it is not about the health and well-being of the children. It is a weapon and it is, and it is being used to um, force um, parents into vaccinating or agreeing to vaccinate or else they'll be seen as not fit to parent and uh, risk losing the children or the care of the children when the actual issues for the day-to-day welfare of the children are, um, you know, far more complex and, and um, you know, far more important to address. Um, family court is about to, it's supposed to be about the rights of the child to feel safe and, um, you know, um, don't even, I mean, obviously I've started, but, um nothing's further from the truth when when um they're just weaponizing um and attacking parent parent to parent um over choices it's not about the well-being of a child who may or may not be picked up for access or kept longer or subject to this or that so my advice is always um don't even go there with the family court if that's brought up just go i've made an appointment with a doctor to discuss now can we spend the court's time on the actual day-to-day uh, issues for the for the care of uh, these children but anyway, so and families obviously weaponized with families they've been split down the middle christmases i don't know i mean i've had two losses and my family's never been more split uh, it's heartbreaking it's absolutely heartbreaking people people not allowed to go at christmas people not allowed to participate in uh, activities with family and friends anymore you know judgment and vilification but then on the on the other hand like we expect that people who are vaccinated are at the rallies because you know they've been forced to make these choices to keep their jobs um it's not our it's not our place to to judge people um it is our place to to um continue to develop and expand a community that welcomes and supports humans you know regardless of their situation and choice and and um there are vulnerable people at the moment, very vulnerable people who, who no longer have jobs. Um, and, um, you know, they, they need our community support. This is a grassroots movement. It's never going to change from leadership up the top. It's going to change from um, groundswell of people waking up 
and sharing and embracing other people. What have been the biggest challenges as an organizer at the rallies, um, as an attendee of the rallies? I love going to the rallies. I love meeting uh, people of like mind and making friends and just kind of chatting with uh, just everyone there. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed is when I was going back in 2021, August, September, you know, the numbers were fairly substantial, but they weren't anywhere near the numbers that started coming to the rallies once the kid vaccinations were going to come into play. So like yeah. December, January 10th was when that was authorized and those rallies were massive. And what are the challenges of organizing rallies now where the numbers have increased so dramatically? Yeah, um, yeah, doubling down on the PA. Uh, <laughs> getting extra extra oomph and power really you know all the way along I, I book um, Rundle Park obviously we can't use this time around so we're going to Parliament House and we'll be outside Government House that's really important I want to see people's uniforms um, something that depicts their story of, of loss whether it's family member or their own health or their job or um, really want to put an installation outside Government House, by the way, so just plugging that. But always, um, City of Adelaide have been great with, you know, access to power. Um, I, I book a part to make sure nobody else is there. SAPOL have only ever wanted to, to keep us safe on the march. But, yeah, the challenge has been to get that projection of sound so that people can hear. Um the the feedback is they want to march they just want to get there and they want to march so um i mean saturday i wanted to keep the speeches to 30 minutes and get marching i've got a suspicion it'll blow out a little bit now that arnie glenda's coming and, and so it should um then um you know with your speakers once once somebody's got a microphone in their hand doesn't matter how well the speech is vetted um something <laughs> might come out of their mouth that that you weren't quite, you were hoping wouldn't at a rally or, um, and short of um, crash tackling them. Um, <laughs> which I'd, I'd like to see that. I, I actually joked to the police that I wanted an electric cattle prod. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can we organize like, that? Can, can we get that? A giant book, thing, perhaps. Yeah, the other thing is though, how I mean, and and we've got enough music to run a three-day um, festival, which I believe the borderers are running a, a festival in early March, but um, music festival. So, but like, how wonderful that there are so many passionate pe people. I wish I could accommodate them all. Everybody's got something important to say. Everybody's got something important to say, say and they've got a story to share. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the real the real challenge is is just keeping it on track with the messaging and, um, you know, hoping that people come away with some tools really at the moment, um, tools and community. So the logistics for this coming weekend, uh, Kathy, are 26 Saturday at 1.30 p.m. at Parliament House or Government, Government House? Government House. There's actually um, Parliament House steps were already booked by a group that supports, that is at Educating on uh, youth suicide. Right. Um, and so they'll be on the steps from 11.30, which means we can't access until mid-afternoon. So that's why we, wanna, we want to be at Government House from 1pm, we've said. And we'll, we'll have people there. So you can actually bring your uniform and, and share your story and we'll, we'll document all of that. Yeah. We'll, try, we'll, we'll try and get, um, 
you know, short interviews with people who can who can talk about how they're affected, and hopefully an installation that's that's somehow impressive. Um, the um, well, somehow makes an impression on the governor, um, and then we'll move to Parliament House for the speeches. So fantastic. Yeah. Sounds great. And are we doing the march as well around the city? Yep. We'll start at Parliament House and end at Parliament House. Wow. And we've got Matt from Signs Down the Road who has has that fantastic song, um, which he'll be teaching people at the beginning, which is uh, where the chorus is. All, all we have to do is not comply with things that don't make sense. So, <laughs> so simple. So simple yet so true. We've been, and, we've been and, doing that for the better part of two years. So I think it'll, I think it'll come naturally. Yeah, and um, I saw him do that in Victor Harbour, just he, you know, a smaller rally crowd, but um, everyone got it and everyone sang along and it was quite epic. And, of course, we'll be quite visible going through the city with the fringe on and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this this week. I think on the back of what happened two weeks ago in Canberra um, and, you know, more industries being mandated for their booster shots, I, I think now is the time really for everyone, no matter what, you know, your status is or, you know, if, if you're single dose and you don't want any more, you're double dosed, you don't want any more, you guys need to come down. You need to, you need to be heard because this is all going to end when everyone unites. Yeah, and stops. And, uh, yeah, it, it'll end when we stop complying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Too. And, yes, and uniting and, and join any step along the way. Join, you know, people come to it. One thing I've learned in all these decades, you know, people will come to this when they're ready. You know, you yeah. can't, you can't shove it down their throats. They'll, um, you know, they'll come on board when something, when the penny drops for them. Hmm. And um, you'll know that when we do march, because there, you, there'll be one lone person shouting at 10,000 people that we're idiots. <laughs> I have seen that. I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then a bunch of people are going, oh, hang on. I didn't even know that was happening as well so we do try to get the word out um we we've got adelaidefreedomrally.com um and adelaide freedom rally on facebook and um you know lots of other groups who are aligned as well getting the word out so um yeah let's hope for a let's hope for a good day and we will have some political speeches because people need to know that their vote can count in the upcoming election mm, definitely. So yep. there are there are people who um yeah, who need to be sharing. Um, well, I'm looking forward to it. I've got a set of scrubs that I will be dropping off and, and putting my little story to. So, um, yeah, I, I think it would be quite quite therapeutic to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple of empty syringes I can drop off as the vax man. I'll just put those on the pile of, uh, of uh, clothes. Yes, remove the sharps, please. Okay, I will, Kathy. No worries. Safety first. Safety first. <laughs> Safety first. Kathy, you're amazing. You're doing such great work. You're one of the true leaders of the resistance down here, organize, organizing us all, getting us together, getting us to talk to each other, building community. Uh, it's just incredible, like all the work that you've done, all the work that you're doing, all the work that you continue to do. You really are an inspiration to everyone, um, to Vaxman and Sam as well. Um, is there anything yeah. else that we didn't talk about that uh, you might want to touch upon? Well, look, you know, um, I'm truly blessed with this beautiful community. Um, you know, worry, you know, this is um, 
like it's an amazing privilege and I keep saying I didn't ask to be here it is voluntarily um uh it is um a voluntary role of course um and um yeah uh, I mean we're looking we are looking at um products uh, a product called nanosoma have you heard of it no I, I haven't so so this is for this is dealing with um vaccine injury it's a plant-based product um we're just starting to look into it myself and Ammon Luca who speaks at the rallies just uh because people are starting to um as I said you know have these uh not immediate side effects from the jabs but these more chronic effects with um you know lymph nodes and lumps and bleeding and you know other things so um nanosoma if anyone wants to look that up um, it's a plant-based product and uh, we, we, we're getting a stock of that so that we can start to, to help people. But again, um, everything we do is, is um, charitable, not-for-profit. Fantastic. But, um, yeah, look, look us up. I'm, I'm always happy to talk to people. Don't give out my number now. But um, <laughs> do come up at the rally and say hi. Um, send us a message on Messenger. Um, and um, we're just here to, to help people and, and um, you know, help with tools and help to connect people with other people who, you know, for their mutual benefit and support. But thanks, guys. Good on you for doing the, the podcast. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much for coming on and, you know, giving us such a great interview. I think everyone who listens to this interview is going to learn so much about just everything, really. Um, all the shenanigans that have been happening in the vaccine world and the big pharma world and how it's a flips uh, humanity's conception of health on its head. Um, and thank you for that. We really appreciate it. Well, look, no worries. Um, go enjoy some organic food and have a walk in the fresh air. <laughs> so there it is. Some great health advice. That's good advice. That, that, yeah. is, that is great advice. I'm gonna do, we'll do that right now. Come and see Kathy in person on the 26th of February at 1 p.m. at Government House. Be there or be square. Um, and we'll see you all there. Uh, this has been the Vaxman. And this is Sam. And remember, resist, live free, do not comply. This has been Prison Colony Resistance, where you come to get your PCR test for, for truth. truth.